Welcome to the Courageous Entrepreneur Show. This is the show that shares information and inspiration to help you break free from self-doubt, limiting beliefs, and disempowering patterns, and break through to create the thriving, successful business you dream of and deserve. I'm your host, Winnie Anderson. The show features interviews with entrepreneurs who've overcome amazing challenges to create success on their terms and experts who share insight and practical information to help you move past your blocks and move forward with courage, confidence, and clarity. The show's available in both video and audio formats on a variety of platforms, including iTunes or Apple Podcasts, in the Google Play Store, on iHeartRadio, in YouTube, and of course on my website at winnieanderson.com. If you like what you hear, I hope you will leave a positive review for the show on the platform where you've consumed it, and I hope you'll share the show with others. You can also join my courageous community at my website at winnieanderson.com fans. When you do, you'll get episodes delivered right to your inbox along with information, tips, and resources to help you consistently move forward to reach your biggest goals. You'll discover how to position and pre-sell yourself as the unique solution provider you are and develop your brand as a go-to expert and thought leader and ultimately to profit from your expertise, all while building a business in alignment with your faith, beliefs, and values. Now, if you're listening or watching this show, it's likely you've either started and are growing a business or you're dreaming of starting a business based on your skills and expertise. Often, we'll just hang up our shingle as an expert in what we were doing for our previous employer without really spending enough time thinking about our offerings, packaging and pricing offers, or how we'll even get clients. In this episode, accountant Maddie Brown explains her stops and starts at starting her firm and how she ultimately chose to buy an existing firm rather than start one from scratch. Now, even if you're already in business, Maddie shares some thoughts that will likely have you nodding your head and show how much she understands what we all go through. So listen in as Maddie shares why she chose to buy a practice rather than start her own, the key advisors and resources that helped her make a good decision when purchasing the existing firm, how she and her firm's owner laid the foundation for a successful transition when she took over, her best marketing strategy for getting new clients, her great advice for letting go of feeling salesy in discussions with potential clients, the mistakes she feels business owners make as they grow, and her tip for creating a life all while building a great business. As always, listen all the way to the end where I'll share your cocktail exercise and action step for this episode. All right, thanks so much for joining me, Maddie. Let's just dive right in. You know, I wanted to have you on the show because I think your situation was a common one that you wanted to leave one industry or profession or whatever and then strike out on your own. So many people can relate to that. They either are in their job now and feel this pull to do something different or they're already plotting their escape and what they're going to do in their second or even third act, right? I thought your approach, though, was really unique. So I want to start with just a little bit of a background about, uh, you know, what, where you were and then where you were when you were getting ready to leave your employer. Okay, um, I was working for the government, and I was in a job where I absolutely 
hated what I was doing. And I spent most of my time saying that when I was 55, I was going to retire, take early retirement, and I was going to start my own business. Okay. And then something in my 50s, right? And when I turned 50, I went a little crazy and I, I, I found a business that was for sale. And it took me, the, the, I, the first time I looked at it, I said, you know, um, no, I can't do it. I can't walk away from my job. I can't, I can't do it. And it took me about a year to work up to a point where I could say yes to it. Um, okay. and, and so, I mean, it, it's very distinct pattern where I told her no in September of 2008 and then in September of, no, September of 2009 and then it turned into a yes over the course of the, the following year. Okay, that's interesting. So what do you think was driving that desire to go out on your own? Do you have a history, a family history of self-employment or has it just always been something that's been pulling inside of you? Well, I worked in public accounting the first time for 12 years. Okay. And then at, I, I, I say I took my first retirement after I'd been in public accounting for 12 years because it was a very male-dominated industry and there was a lot of workaholic kind of tendencies. Mm -hmm. And I concluded that I didn't even really want to be a partner at the firm in the way that firm was run. Okay. And so when I left public accounting the first time, it was because I, I decided that if I were to have a firm, I would want it to be conducted very differently than what is the status. And at okay. that point, at that point, I was really quite a young woman and and this gray hair gives you a little credibility <laughs> so now when you say public accounting you're talking about the traditional accounting firm is that right correct okay. correct okay great full and, cpas and things like that right 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 okay. a, a public accounting firm typically does accounting work they do bookkeeping work they do tax preparation and then they do audits and compliance activity as well right okay so now when you say that your plan was to leave at 55 with early retirement I know how government works I have family who are government government employees they've been employees at the federal state and county level usually then when you take and I know there's some kind of formula right for taking your pension at early retirement to qualify for the full pension so you left prior to 55 is that right then so you took what would be called a hit on your pension right yes I did yeah yeah so yeah. it was that because you were that unhappy or because the opportunity you saw was so great or was it a combination of the two um you know I went to a personal development seminar that was put on by Dak Canfield okay. in, in 2009, and it was a one-day event that he did, and I realized at that event in 2009 that I didn't even want to introduce what I did when I met someone, because I was, I was an auditor that 
produce criminal investigations for fraud and tax evasion for the Iowa Department of Revenue. And I didn't even want to tell people what I did because I hated it so much. And it really, at that, on that day, when I was introducing myself to so many people, I realized what a negative situation I had allowed myself to get into. And so it, it really, you know, it, it really struck me and it really hit me and it was like, I've got to change this. I cannot live like this. It, it, is, it is not healthy. It's not it worth not, it. No, it's not. Right. right. Wow, that's really powerful. Was that Jack Canfield's One Day to Greatness? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's what it, well, it was called something else then, but okay. yeah, but 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 it, I have been I have been a fan of Jack Canfield since um, 1986 is when I first heard of him and his building high self esteem, and um, I'm actually involved in his train the trainer program at oh, this great. point. Okay, so, great. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, that's great. He, yeah, just an amazing person, great information, and super thought-provoking and powerful. Absolutely. A big amen on all of that. So did you ever have any kind of, of fantasy about going out on your own way, way back when, when you first got started? Or were you just thinking, you know, traditional career route, I'm, I'm a CPA, I'm going to work for a firm, I'm going to become a partner, I'll retire, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, when I was in public accounting the first time, I thought that I would follow the traditional route and I would get to be a partner and and it, that would be that would be what I did. And then I got involved in a firm where there was some discrimination going on. Okay. And this was the mid 80s and um yeah. we settled on an agreement that I would not continue with my attorney, but I I left the I left the position and I attempted to start my own business at that point. Okay. Now I was only 26 years old at that point, and I did not have I didn't have the experience that I needed, and I didn't have the I didn't have the the financial backing that it took to get a practice started right. where I was. And so um, I took another position with another CPA firm and and fell back into that traditional role of growing into a partner. And it was, um, and I was at that firm for seven years before I concluded that I, I didn't even really want to be a partner in the traditional sense. Okay. Okay. Interesting how we, we all have this kind of semi-circuitous route and then wind up and then can look back and go, I needed all of those experiences to make me the person I am to, yes. to create what I've created. So that, yes. that's really interesting. I appreciate, appreciate you sharing that. So let's talk just briefly about buying a practice because, you know, I'm sure we could go on. There are people who teach this and it takes days to teach it, right? So we'll just kind of hit the highlights here. So when you were going to go out on your own, you decided this is it. I'm going to make this work. What 
made you decide to purchase a practice versus starting from scratch? Well, it actually, it, it's, it's a little bit of a reverse engineering because what, what happened was I found the practice for sale and it was within 40 miles of where I lived and I realized the practice was for sale and that pushed the decision, okay. okay, because I found this and it was an opportunity that I couldn't ignore, you know, and it still took me, it took me a year to work myself up to it, but um, I found that, that I was wanted to do it and I knew that, the, that I was going to have regrets if I didn't do it, and so you know, I had a good friend that says, you know, are you going to regret this if you don't follow through and you don't do this? And it's like, you know, if I don't do this now, I will wonder for the rest of my life what it would have happened. Yeah. And so it, the, the ability and finding the practice for sale actually, actually pushed me over the edge, so to okay. speak. Okay, so let's just quickly go through how you make a purchase like this. What are the kinds of things that you consider and who helps you then make this decision? So number one, obviously you had to examine your own finances to make sure you could make this purchase and make it pencil out for yourself. Who then, who were like your, your key influencers and advisors as you evaluated the, the decision and the purchase? Well, you know, there's there's several different frameworks. Number one, you've got to be in the correct mindset, okay? So mindset is a huge thing, and I had a, a mentor that I respected and appreciated, and she and I talked through the, the mindset part of it. Okay. Um, the money part of it, it, there's always a way to make the money part of it work. Okay, it just requires some creativity and some innovative ideas. You, know, you can always make the money work okay. if it is something that you really want to do and are really driven to do. And so I had my personal finances. I, I had information from the woman who was currently running the business, and I had that information. And um, there's a fair amount of just no guts, no glory, go for it, okay? My, my, my father, Earl, said to me, saying, well, what are you going to do if this doesn't work? Well, I'm going to get a job. I've got a job now. I had a job before. I think I can get another one, you know? And, and it was scary to walk away from the payroll, number one, and the retirement benefits, number two, Right. And I just felt like I had to do it. And the stars aligned for that to happen. Right. And then, of course, you needed an attorney, right? Yes. You, can you talk just a little bit about the kind of experience that you looked for in an attorney to help you with that? Well, it, you know, um, I was probably more trusting than I than I should have been, <laughs> but I got a local attorney and I had a good relationship with him, and okay. so 
it it just it just worked and he read through the agreement and and um he he helped me then there was also a CPA that was working as a trainer in purchasing and buying practices and so that was my real, really my okay. first experience with a coach okay. of some kind and um Troy actually gave me a number of different things that I needed to look at and I needed to instill in the agreement and he's bought and sold hundreds of practices helping helping people do that okay. and so it, he was a very valuable asset in in terms of helping me structure the arrangement so that it was doable and and available okay. so I had an attorney I had a coach I had a mentor that looked at mindset and I it it would have never been done had I not had that kind of support okay great that makes sense so uh, pros and cons then you think about buying a, a, an existing practice versus starting out on your own what were some of those things that helped you recognize this was really the way to go well, the, the beauty of when you buy a practice is that it, you have immediate cash flow because you've got clients that are coming in and, and the business is already making money. And so you, you have a safety net, if you will, yeah. okay, because you've, yeah. got, you've got cash coming in. If you're going to build your own practice and start from zero, that is a much more difficult scenario, and you've really got to have strong sales skills, which, you know, and even then, I generally expect that people have a few businesses that they have in their pocket so that they can get started with something as opposed to just starting from a blank slate. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a super, super great point. And I know that I underestimated what it would take to get started. And virtually everyone I know underestimated as well. And you end up with some really scary moments and that can, it can cloud your judgment and cause a lot of just negative energy. And when you're working with in in semi-desperation mode doesn't exactly make for the nicest work environment mentally for yourself and I think it puts tremendous pressure on you then every sale is so completely critical to your growth so I think those are really great points that you make there um anything else there you want to sh want to share no I, I'm good okay great so I know that you know obviously what you do is incredibly intimate. I have an accountant I've worked with, geez, I'll bet close to 20 years now, um, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. And he's just, you know, I love him and, and I trust him so tremendously. So how did that work when you, you purchased this practice? Did you take any specific action to let everybody know, hey, there's a new sheriff in town and, and things are going to be okay? Um, we, had a, we had a party at the okay. community center. In this, it, it, I, my, the business is located in a small town in northwest Iowa. And we 
had a retirement party for the woman who was selling the practice okay. um, and invited clients to come in and, and say goodbye to Anne and introduce me. And then the, she just walked away from it. Wow. And, and I, was, I was there. And it would have been harder if she had tried to stay involved because then people would have always wanted to talk to her. Right. And, and she was just not available, you know. They, and they, a lot of people felt, you know, confident that Anne wouldn't have sold the business to anybody that couldn't manage the business. Right. And so they, there was a lot of trust involved, and, and that you earn. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really great. And I've seen people do a couple of different things, but, but there's, there is that big issue of that person, the, the prior owner or the person who's trying to transition out, has to at some point cut themselves off because – Sure, that's where your heart lies. I mean, that's your emotional connection is to that person, and they have to limit their availability. And event, I've seen my, um, I've seen my husband has a friend who's a, who owned a dental practice, and and as they started to transition out, and they did a period of time where eventually they backed out, and now they're not involved at all. So I think there are, you find the right strategy for you, but yes, at some point that person just has to say, you have to deal with this person and, and let go. So yeah, I, I can totally un understand and respect that. You know, let's talk uh, about the courageous actions, as I call them, that, that are really necessary for building a practice. And there are seven of them, basically, marketing, selling, fulfilling, creating, managing, growing, and, and leading um, at a minimum. Um, so we're going to move through this speed round, if you will, of the interview, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on each one of these. So let's start, first of all, with marketing. And one thing that is uh, something that I think most service professionals really despise. What's your best strategy for getting clients? My best strategy for getting clients is taking care of existing clients. All right, outstanding, excellent. Because so, referrals are more valuable than right. anything else. Right, yeah, absolutely. So then since that is your strategy and, and getting that new person who's been referred to you, you know, that's really then the sales part, right? How yeah. do you get a new client to say yes to working with you and do it in a way that doesn't feel pushy but helps them say yes? Well, you know, there's a there's a old cliche that sales isn't something you do to someone it is something you do for someone yes. okay and so when I know that I can help someone move through their fear and move through their stress and anxiety and worry about money then I come from a place where I know I can help solve a problem that they're trying to deal with yeah. And if we can solve that problem together, then they're going to be in a much better space. And when we, so the biggest thing in sales is for people to see how what you offer is a solution to a problem that they are having in their life. Right. Yeah. 
Amen. That is so awesome. So how about next is fulfilling then. So there's so much to do in building and running a business and the, and, and, you know, the more clients we get, the harder that it is to get everything done. What's your best tip for delivering top service to clients without killing yourself? Uh, my best, my best scenario is I have a great team and I have, I have four full-time employees that do an awesome job and I love them and I couldn't do it without them. Yeah, yeah, so that's so true. All right, so there's a lot to create in a business from processes to products. Did you find the need to create new systems and processes when you bought your business? Or, and, and if you did, was there anything that surprised you as you did it? Or was that part of what you bought and you were happy with that those systems were already in place? Well, the first the first six to eight months, we pretty well worked with the systems that were in place, okay? Um, and, and then there were some changes that took place, but for the most part, we weren't going to reinvent the wheel going into tax season, you know? And, and so we, we um, I, there were two employees that, that started with me when I bought the business who had been with the business for a long time. And so the processes and the day-to-day -day operation didn't change that much. When, it, when we started hitting a lot of change was when I began to market to entrepreneurs and coaches and people in service professions and actually creating a clientele of people that I wanted to work with. So, so the, after the first tax season in, in May of 2011, we really set about marketing to a virtual audience. And so we have clients all over the country now that I have met through events and changes. Um, and it, and so a, a large percentage of our clients are virtual and people that are not local at all. Okay. But because they fit a niche of people that I want to work with and spend my time with. Right. Okay. That's great. So that was really your biggest creation point was the creation of identification of the niche, creating your process for targeting them, bringing right. them in your enrollment process, etc. Okay, that and obviously time and money and effort really super well spent. That's great. So let's look at managing now. Managing, there are so many facets to managing a business as you, and especially as you grow it, right? So what's something that you wish you had spent more time on when it comes to managing? Well, I think you can you can never spend enough time on communication because it is so critical to dealing with employees and dealing with clients and um, I I think that I could do a better job of that. Yeah, you know, and and I always think I can do a better job mm -hmm. of that. I think there's always right. opportunity for yeah for improve, improvement, but I think communication is, is really key. Yeah, yeah, amen. All right, so then growing. Um, as the business grows, we need to grow as people and professionals, right? It's the skills that got you here 
aren't going to be the same skills or in the same variety that get you to that next level of success. So what's one area then that do you think that most solo professionals need to put more focus on as they grow? Um, I think most businesses in general need to put a little more focus on planning and forecasting and I hate the word but budgeting okay yes and really making sure that they're paying themselves and they're paying their taxes and they're paying their bills but a lot of times when an entrepreneur goes into business they funnel everything into the business at the end of the day there isn't anything left for them right. and that doesn't work it's not sustainable you've got to manage your money right. and otherwise you're not going to be in business and if you can't be in, if you can't manage your money and be in business then you're not going to serve the people that you're here to serve right right yeah a amen Amen. So how about for living? What is one of your best practices for making sure you're building a life and not just a business? And I know that this was important for you because you talked about that as being a reason why you didn't want to stay with that first first firm and, and build a career with them. So what do you got? Well, one of the one of the key things is to know what you want. Okay. And I have seven basic principles that I are areas of my life that I look at and I look at it on a regular basis and I set goals in each of those areas personal recreation um, relationships mm -hmm. career and financial and legacy okay and I look at those areas and I and I define two or three goals in each one of those areas as things that I want to have in my life and when I have those specified and I and I pay attention to all of those things, then I'm much more balanced and and more and happier with the life that I've created. Yeah, that's fantastic. Really outstanding. So one final question, well, maybe one final question. Let's talk just briefly about leadership and leading. Um, how do you lead your team? what what things do you th do you focus on to be seen as a, a solid leader of the team as you build and grow this business and then any leadership uh, tips for being a, a good leader to even your clients and sharing your leadership and knowledge with them well I think the main thing is to walk your talk okay Okay, you know, you have to have principles mm -hmm. and you have to have ethics and integrity and you've got to follow that and that sets the tone for your employees and your clients and that integrity is really fundamental. Okay, and how do you define integrity? Uh, alignment. Mm -hmm. your 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 beliefs and your actions are in alignment yeah yeah excellent I define it the same way that that's spectacular so how do you uh, show that leadership to your clients and and build that confidence that they they continue to work with the right accountant for them well you know it, it's a it's a it's a element of service you've got to I meet with most of my clients at minimum of 
three or four times a year. And on a, on a lot of clients, I meet with them on a monthly basis or sometimes more than that, depending on what their needs are and making sure that they have the needs and their situation covered so that they feel confident in, in their decision making. All right. Excellent. Maddie, this is fascinating. I could go on for hours. The listeners will be happy to know that I won't. Um, but thank you so much for this great information and a little insight into how you started your business and how you continue to grow it. Let's, let's tell everybody how they can learn more about you and exactly what it is that you do. You've alluded that you your practice, your accounting practice focuses on working with virtual people, right? Coaches, consultants, et cetera. Just why don't you give us a little bit of a background about your, your firm, what you do, and how we can learn more about you. Okay. You can, you can learn more about what we do at the website smashingnumbers.com. And there's contact information there, and there's re- reference information there, and you can, you can spend as much time as you like or you want about looking at that. But there's contact information on smashingnumbers.com so that, the, so that you can get that information. What we do is accounting, bookkeeping, and virtual CFO services for clients so that they can have a CFO in their pocket on a very affordable basis and have someone that they can talk to about their money decisions so that they make good financial decisions for their business and their lives. And I have four full-time employees and we have a brick and mortar business and we also, but we focus primarily on people in the online entrepreneurial world. We have a lot of coaches, a lot of healers, practitioners, um, attorneys, all sorts of business, mostly in the service-based business that where, where there's personal services involved. And it, they're usually people that are working on their own and don't have a support system that takes care of the administrative things that they need to be able to delegate so that they can focus on what is really important, which is growing their business. Yeah, outstanding. All right, that's fantastic. And of course, we'll have all of those, uh, the links and how to find Maddie on social media, which is where she and I connected. And uh, you'll be able to go right to the show notes page and access that information and reach out to her to learn more. And we've been talking about having her back on the show later to talk about some accounting information that we all need. So, so look out for that uh, episode in the future as well. Maddie, it's been great having you. Thanks for such great information and I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Thank you. I hope you found that interesting and helpful. If you like this episode, please share it with your connections. Please leave a great review for it on the platform where you've consumed it. And be sure to subscribe either on that specific platform like iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, or you can subscribe to the video version on my channel on YouTube. But when you subscribe on my website at winnieanderson.com slash fans, you'll get episodes emailed to you each week along with information, tips, and resources to help you come out of hiding, get your message out in a more powerful way, and achieve your business goals so you can profit from your expertise. All right, so your cocktail exercise, otherwise known as a reflection exercise, no alcohol needs to be involved, don't overindulge, and don't drink and drive. 
All right, so your reflection exercise. You know, I couldn't decide which direction to go in here, so I'm going to split the baby and give you a reflection exercise for those who haven't launched a business yet, as well as one for those who have. So first, for those who are still thinking about starting a business built on their subject matter expertise and core skills. The biggest point I think Maddie made in here was what drove her decision to buy rather than build a firm. It was really the existing client base and the cash flow. Buying a business, of course, is expensive, but in addition to existing clients, you also buy the processes and systems, which Maddie alluded to. So she was able to start with an existing cash flow and knew how clients were going to be handled as they came into the business. The problem with starting a business based on your own expertise is the length of time it can take to actually get clients, and we all underestimate just how difficult it will be to even get the attention of potential clients. So if you haven't made the leap yet, there are several questions that you need to ask yourself and reflect on, but the first is, do you have at least two years worth of living expenses covered in savings or in some other steady stream of revenue? And do you have money to invest in the birthing and launch of the business? Everyone I know who has launched well, and I did not, but everyone I know who launched well launched with, by working with a coach, working with somebody who could guide them through the process. In my season three opening episode with Ed Gandia, he built a six-figure business while moonlighting. And we covered this topic about how do you actually get launched before you've really left your existing employer. So I'll include a link to that episode in the show notes for this one. Now, if you have started and you're growing your business, here's your reflection exercise. Maddie talked about mindset. We all know that thinking like an owner is theoretically different than thinking like an employee, but no one ever really talks about what's the difference or how to do it. Mindset is truly a very big key to success, so your reflection exercise has to do with marketing and sales. Focusing on the difference between mindset between owner and, and employee is enough for a whole separate episode. And maybe if there's enough interest, I'll do an episode just on that issue. Maddie made a great point though, when she quoted that sales isn't something you do to people, it's something you do for people. Yet for many of us, especially when you're undercapitalized and feel like every, you know, every sale, every no is taking food out of your mouth or you come face to face with issues that you have about sales, then this is a key point that you simply have to acknowledge and work on or you're going to have to go right back and get a job or worse, you're going to struggle, you're going to go into debt, you're going to, it's depressing, it's terrible. So if you're at midlife, you'll find out how difficult figuring, you know, going to get another job can be. So this is not something you want to do. We've got to figure it out and, and we've got to create not just profitability, we've got to create a wildly successful business because each of us, especially women, needs to be financially independent, right? We need to be able to support ourselves and I thought Maddie's perspective on this whole issue of sales was really 
you know, dead on, the fact that you're not doing something to people, you're helping them. So recognizing that you solve a problem that somebody has and saying, hey, I can solve that for you. Here's how I do that. Here's how we could work together. Frankly, you're doing them a favor, right? My gosh, where have you been all my life? So, so you don't want to think about how you are because you're not hurting somebody right so we're projecting onto them our fears of rejection we're projecting onto them the situations when we have been dealing with a salesperson who made us feel uncomfortable made us feel pressured who you know who made us feel confused and we're just assuming that we're going to do the same thing you're not because you're not that kind of person right but when you're desperate then you can come across salesy because you're, you know, you're so desperate, right? So you really want to think about this. So your action step then is like most of this, this is technically more than one step, but if you haven't yet launched, your action step is to start creating a very basic business plan, right? Just, and, and this is not really complicated, just really it's a, a, a basic shell kind of document where you're going to take yourself through a series of very basic questions that are also very powerful. So these really are the questions that you need to ask yourself. You can get this as part of the worksheets for this episode at my site, winnieanderson.com slash second act two. That's second act, all one word, and the number two after that, okay? winnieanderson.com slash second act two. Your plan is going to, to take you through some, like I said, some very basic but tough questions. Like, for example, what problem do you solve for your clients? Right? I ask prospective clients that. Most of them can't tell me the answer. I couldn't answer this question myself for years, for too long. But people think about, and I know you're, you know, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. I know you're an abundance-minded person. I know you don't like to think about limitations or problems or negativity, but people think about problems, right? Life is one big problem, and we're all focused on trying to solve our problems. So you want to consider that in the language that you use. I help people solve this problem. I help people who have this problem get this result, right? So that's what people want. I have a problem. I want ended. I want this good thing in exchange. So Manny mentioned again that having mindset as is an important part of creating an effective marketing message and sales process. So for those who are already on their own, your action step is to take a good look at your finances and complete the important questions on the worksheet around those questions. I want you to look really hard at what you charge and at what your expenses are. Are you priced for profit? Do you have a process for attracting a steady stream of potential clients? And do you have an effective way to help them decide to buy and for you to decide if they're a good and profitable fit for you? So pricing for profit, having the revenue to reinvest into your business, having the revenue that you give the government because you got to pay, right? You got to pay your taxes and there's no paying you first. First, you pay the government. You have to have a salary to live on right? And then you have to have money to reinvest back in your business and pay your skit, your, you know, your supplies, uh, your expenses. So you want to make sure that you've got that. If you struggle with those issues, right, even understanding them, and there's no shame in that, right? We, I, I wasn't a financial expert. 
I understood finance from a very big picture strategy standpoint. And since I worked in human resources, I understood compensation, again, from a strategic standpoint. I'm not a money person. I'm not an, a numbers person, I should say. So I need help. And I have no problem. And then on top of that, I have a head injury. So that only makes my brain even more scrambled. So that's why you know, there are plumbers, that's why there are doctors, that's why there are experts, and you go to them, Maddie's an expert, right? You can, if you go to your own accountant, right? So if you struggle with these issues, like I said, I strongly recommend you have a conversation with your accountant, and if you don't have one, then you might want to reach out to Maddie, especially because as a virtual entrepreneur, a lot of people don't understand us. A lot of people don't understand the expenses that we're talking about and the kinds of tools that we use. You know, Maddie gets it. She works with coaches, consultants, authors, experts, healers. She gets it. She gets the whole introverted, uh, introverted, a whole uh, virtual entrepreneur scene. So if you are an introverted solo professional or someone with introverted leanings who values membership in a community of like-minded and like personality professionals then head over to winnieanderson.com join the club and join my facebook group the courageous entrepreneur lab i share tips resources free training all designed to help end overwhelm silence your inner critic and get your message out in a powerful way so you can achieve your goals and achieve your mission and ultimately change the world because this is not what we're in business for as well as to make a wildly successful profit and have a great life so thanks for listening and remember you deserve all the success you dream of